Today I want to zero in on, if you look at the front of the bulletin, you see three lifestyle, habits, actions, kinds of things that we can do in order to live our utmost for his highest. And I want to zero in on the first one. Um, and I had an insight this morning. Um, all of the studying and brainstorming and writing notes that I've been doing for the last few weeks around this theme that I thought we would cover in a week is actually an extended understanding as we go throughout the year. So there's a bunch of stuff in your outline today that we're not going to get to. And nobody is surprised. <laughs> so I want to talk mostly about paying attention. So heads up. Yes. See what happened there? Why do people say heads up? To pay attention, right? To pay attention. Um, and so when you hear that, that phrase, it comes from those situations where something is happening that we're not aware of, that we need to be aware of. And that's a lot of what paying attention is. Heads up at a sports game would mean look to see what's happening. There's a bat or a ball or something coming towards you. Heads up, pay attention, because we... We don't want you to get hurt. We want you to respond. We want you to be able to protect yourself. Um, and, and really, I remember when we took the kids to a Pirates game, and we ended up, I don't know how we got these tickets, but they were down close where foul balls could hit you pretty easily. And I remember I didn't hardly enjoy the game at all because I was so busy paying attention to what was happening around. Because sometimes they lose a bat. They'll, it'll slip out of the hands and it'll go into the stands. And, and as a parent, you have to, because the kids aren't going to be paying attention, you have to be constantly paying attention. Heads up. Heads up. Jesus was consistently trying to draw people's attention to things that they were not noticing that they needed to notice. And so let's talk about it. Some practices for living our utmost first highest, and we're going to really zero in on this pay attention part. Pay attention. Um, so at our learning community on Thursday, as you watch that video, at the end, you will hear a voice. I don't know if you'll be able to see her, but Victoria said, um, we need to learn to think well. We need to learn to think. And I said, yep, absolutely. And that's what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. We need to learn to pay attention. We need to learn to think well. When um, our gut, our, but our gut reaction to Jesus, when he says pay attention, is to think we already are paying attention. Did you get that? It's like when I was teaching my oldest son to drive who had said when he was seven or eight years old, he said, I think I could drive a car. <laughs> so when he actually got his permit and was behind the wheel, I would be telling him, I would be telling pay attention. I am paying attention. No, you're not. Pay, pay, it the, and, the, and I drove my foot through the floorboard. <laughs> right? Because he, thought he, was, he was, thought he was paying attention. He claimed to be paying attention, but he wasn't paying attention because he didn't know what to pay attention to. And so Jesus tells us over and over, pay attention. 
Two types of paying attention that we need to develop. The first is to what is happening around us. We need to pay attention to what is going on that we can see, taste, touch, feel. Um, what is going on? Not, and, and it's about paying attention to not just what's right in front of us, but paying attention beyond that. The tw- so we're going to look again at Numbers chapter 13. So anybody need a Bible? Everybody got a Bible? You're going to need it. Okay, everybody got one? We're going to be looking at, um, so Numbers chapter 13, beginning verse 21. And we're going to be looking about the spies going into the promised land. Now these 12 were paying attention. If you remember from last week, they were all chiefs of the tribes. They were all leaders in the nation of Israel. And they were, they had, you don't get to be that kind of leader without paying attention beyond what's right in front of you. Um, it's kind of like in sports. Um, you can't be a good point guard in, on the basketball floor unless you are not just watching the ball and the person in front of you, but you're watching to see the whole court and what's developing. Same thing with a quarterback. You have to be able to see the whole field and what's about, not what's happening in front of you, but the whole field. The reason Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby are such good players is because they have the ability to see the whole, the, the, not only what's happening, but what might be developing behind the scenes and what might happen on the return on, on defense. Um, and, and that's one of the things when you try to teach a teenager how to drive is you have to teach them to not just look at the car in front of them or the road that's 50 feet in front, but to have their eyes open to what's happening in front of them, to the right, to the left, what is happening beyond. And so these 12 spies, I think if, if you had said to them, pay attention, each one of them would have said, we are. Numbers chapter 13, beginning with verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, and they went on to the Negeb, and they came to Hebron, and they discovered the descendants of Anak were there. Verse 23, and they came to the valley of Eshcol, and they cut down their branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between the two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. So here the spies were doing what they were told. If you remember from last week, they were doing what they were told. They were spying out the land. They saw the giants were there. They saw the fortified cities. They saw the produce that was in the land. There really was a land flowing with milk and honey. They were seeing what was in front of them. They were seeing beyond what was just right in front of them, but they were not paying attention at... God's second level of paying attention, which we're going to see in just a moment. Verse 25, at the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they, they told them, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with the milk and honey and this is its fruit. So they did as they were instructed. They saw They were paying attention to this earthly realm. They were paying attention. They were bringing back the report. What's the land like? What are the cities like? What's it going to look like when we go back to conquer it? But it's our default to stop there 
And unless we, we are uh, really digging into the Word of God and understanding that there's a second level of seeing, that's as far as we'll get, even as Christ followers. We'll see what's in front of us, and we'll see a little bit of, of what's happening around us, but there's another level that we have to go to, and that is to, get, to pay attention to God's perspective and his interpretation of what is happening. God's perspective and interpretation of what is happening. This is the second level. Write this down. The reality is, we don't know what something is until God reveals it. We don't know what something is until God reveals it. So we get into a conflict with somebody, and we get consumed with the conflict, and we're paying attention to this, and we know we're supposed to love these people and, and do what Jesus wants us to do, but we don't know what it, that is. We don't know what that conflict is until God reveals what it is, until he interprets it for us, until we go to him and say, God, show me what this is really all about. We don't know what something is. And, we, and, and so this is a huge skill for, for Christ followers. And I don't see a whole lot of people ever getting there because we have this natural inclination to see what is around us and try to see what, a little bit more of what's happening on the playing field and then we interpret it. We believe that we know what's going on because we, but we haven't asked God to show us what is really going on. Amen. Let me give you an example. Um... So last September, and so God has been, God has had this phrase, pay attention in my head since last September. Last September, I hit some conflict in some areas of my life. And I remember just being devastated. I mean, it took the wind out of my sails in ways that it usually doesn't. I mean, I'm, I'm so old that I, I know what conflict is. You know, I've been, you know, I, it's just like nothing's new under the sun. But this just took the wind out of my sails. And, and I remember being in my office on my knees and, and saying, God, I don't understand it. And sensing him say to me, pay attention to what, how, how this plays out. Pay attention to what this looks like and how you process it and how I take you through it. Pay attention to this because this isn't what you think it is. And this is going to be for others. And it caught my attention. I'm going, well, it's conflict. I, I know. And and, and so I did. I, I pulled back and I began to ask, okay, what is it, God, that you see? And suddenly, he gave me insight about the people involved. Ah, I didn't know that. Oh, this, and he said, and this is to help the people that are hurting you right now. Wait a minute, God, I just want you to kill them. <laughs> right? I just take them out. I don't want this conflict. I'm right, they're wrong. No, this is not about you, Herb. This is about helping them. I'm going, oh, I didn't see that. You see, I didn't understand what it was. I knew it was conflict, but I didn't understand what it really was until God revealed it. And then I watched the steps and the process. And then I watched what he did inside of me to be able to release 
some things that I needed to release and, and allow him to heal some things that I didn't even know were there. But we don't know what a thing is until God reveals it to us. That's the second level of seeing that we don't get if we just go, God, take care of this. I want you to take care of this. Give me the strength to do, to do this. Help me to do if we don't, if, if that's our only prayer, if, until we get to the prayer that says, God, show me, then we don't, we don't see it as it really is. Which takes us to a scripture that is not in your outline, and the reference isn't in your outline either, but I would just like you to keep your finger in numbers and then flip over to Ephesians. Well, you put it in there. Never mind. It's on the screen. <laughs> what was that? Pay attention. Okay, I'll try. And by the way, <laughs> this is huge for me because I'm Mr. Oblivious in a lot of areas of my life. I am. I mean, that's my personality. This is, this, I mean, chill will hang something on the wall and, and six months later I walk in, oh, that's nice. You put it on the wall. And it. It's been there for six months. No, it has not been there for six months. Maybe five months and three weeks, but no, you can't. <laughs> but paying attention is huge, or we get ourselves into trouble. And here's what, so in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 4, it says, But God being rich in mercy, rich in mercy, mercy um, offering us what we don't deserve. Because of the great love with which he loved us. See, that's the context of all of, this, all of this living our utmost for his highest. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together. There you go, our instead of my. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, he wants to take us up to where he is. So he can show us how he sees things. Because you can't know what a thing is until God reveals it. So it's, it's like being in, in the ballpark. If you're in, if, if you're in the, the seats right by the field, you have one view. You have one perspective. If you go to the next level up, it's a different perspective. If you go in the nosebleed seats where I usually sit, you see it a completely different way. In fact, you need binoculars to see, or you watch those screen, and then I go, I'm just going to stay home because I can see it better on my TV. It's a whole different, every, and then you go in an airplane and you see it differently, right? And so here he's saying, I want to take you up to from where God sits. Somebody ought to write a book like that. From where God sits, I want to take you from where I sit so that you can see what I see with my perspective and my interpretation. That's the second level. Pay attention. I think this is where, so this is the split between the ten spies and the two. Because the ten spies were chiefs. They were leaders. They had learned to see from a leadership standpoint. They had learned to see, but they never learned to see from where God saw. And so we see Joshua and Caleb paying attention. They were looking up. So we jump down to verse 28. Numbers 13 
28. So they come back with the report and we hear what happens when you're only seeing from the first level. Verse 28. However, the people who dwell on the land are strong. Remember they, they, they had previously said there's giants there, but they're strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. He's talking about giants. There's giants over there. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. They're only paying attention in this earthly realm. And as a result, they begin to interpret from the earthly realm. And, and when you interpret only from the earthly realm, you interpret through fear. And we talked about that last week. It's fear. They're paying attention, earthly realm. And then that draws them even lower. Instead of being leaders, they begin to be fearful people. But here's the difference. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. They both saw the same thing, but Caleb and Joshua were seen from the second level. Somehow along the way, and later we see that the Bible tells us that Caleb had a different spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. And Joshua had that Holy Spirit. They were able to see through spiritual eyes what was going on. And so when we face things in our lives, whether it's conflict or difficulty or hard decisions or physical stuff or relational problems, all of that stuff, we don't really know what it is. Are you listening to me? This is huge. We don't really know what it is. We think we know what it is. And we're like that teenager who's driving. My, my oldest teenage son, we're sitting at by um, Gro- uh, Grove Road in 88. And he, and, he, and he stopped and I said, sit here. Don't move. Don't, do not move. And, and because I could see a car coming. And he said, I can make it. No, yes, no, yes. And he pulled out in front and the car had to slow down. And I said, get out of the car. (laughs) Because you're not paying attention. And we are like that with God. Because we have a conflict, we have a fear, we have a difficulty that comes along and it creates fear in us and worry and concern. And we don't think God is really doing what he ought to do. He's not fulfilling his God job according to our expectations. And he's waiting for us to come up to where he sits and, and so he can say, look, let me show you what I see. Because this is going to work out for good. That's his promise. And so part of interpreting What we're seeing is interpreting through the character of God. Write that down. When God is taking us to be seated with him in the heavenlies, it's interpreting through the character of God, who he is. Because we know that God is love and just, we know that he's going to work his love and his justice according to his time, because he's sovereign, if we will join him. Now, what, we're, what we see with the 10 is they lost their lives because they refused to join them, right? And then when we, don't, we don't join him in what he's doing, and then we point at God and we blame him for doing stuff that he tried to show us we weren't supposed to be doing anyway. And so God gets the wrong kind of blame. So we don't know what it is until God reveals it to us.
God's perspective and interpretation. Verse 31. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. These are people who were seeing earthly realm, but they were not seeing from God's perspective. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. That's their interpretation. They've moved from reporting to interpreting. And we don't have any right to interpret anything. Only God does. And so they've moved into an interpretation that causes everybody else to, to back off and be full of fear. And then all the people that we saw were of great height. Everybody's, not, now they're just living in fantasy land because that's not what the report said. And then we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim, and see, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seem to them. It is pride and arrogance when we interpret anything and usurp God's responsibility to interpret it. When you start calling your circumstances something that um, you think they are, instead of going to God and, and asking him to tell us what they are, you're taking the place of God. And that's what these people did. And they lost their lives because of it. Ten saw only earthly realm. Two saw from God's heavenly realm perspective and got his interpretation. Jesus consistently said to us, pay attention, heads up, pay attention. I put a couple of scriptures there for you. Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. He says, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He said this to his um, closest followers, but that's the life that we live. And so that, that first Peter scripture that we read earlier was to all of us because we have an enemy out there who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. He's trying to tempt us or confuse us or, or get us off, get, take our eyes off of Jesus. And so we live in a world that is full of the enemy. And he says, so because of that, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Wise as serpents, meaning see what is really true. This is not about having rose-colored glasses. It's not about sugarcoating. It's not about denying what is really there which is what a lot, of t a lot of times as Christians we do. Oh, you know, we, we hit a conflict or we hit a difficulty, you know, a hardship, and we'll go, okay, it's all going to work out. But what we're saying is it's, it's somehow going to work out so that I like it, right? And so we just pretend. We, we live in denial. We, we don't face the reality of how hard this really is. And then somebody else is going through stuff, and, and we pat them on the back and go, oh, it'll all work out, and we're going... And they're, they're dying inside, and they need somebody to walk along and just admit, yeah, this is really hard. Be wise as serpents. Keep your eyes open to see what is really true, but then be innocent as doves. He's talking here about having the pure motives of God. So you, you see what is real, but instead of getting cynical and getting anxious and worried about it, you go, okay, well, I'm going to have the love and the motives of Jesus. I'm not going to get angry about this. I'm not going to give in to temptation in this. I'm not going to give in to fear about this. I'm going to have 
the innocence of Jesus, the purity of Jesus. And then in, chap- in Mark chapter 4, 23 and 24, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. That calls us to a diligence of knowing the word of God. How in the world can you pay attention to something that you don't know? Right? And so pay attention to what you hear. And he's talking about the words he's speaking. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The more that you hear, the more that you understand, the more that you're paying attention, the more that you understand. That's why if you study the word of God and you're surrendered to God, and every, every year you read, read the same passage, every year it'll open up a little bit more. There'll be another layer of it. There'll be another level of joy to it. Amen. It will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Don't just hear the words, but, but go to God in every situation. God, what is it you see? What do you want me to do? I put a statement in your outline. When We can only see earthly realm clearly when we view it from heavenly realm perspective. We we can't see this world as it really is because we're seeing through the filters of human nature, of fear, of of our experiences. We We can't see it until the Father points it out. My dad, I think some of you know this, my dad... Uh, when I was growing up, try, his goal was to turn me into the great white hunter. <laughs> we basically had an arsenal in our house. My dad loved guns, he loved hunting, and he wanted me to become, as the oldest son, the one who would walk in his footsteps and, and love guns and love hunting like he did. And so when I was about eight or nine years old, in September and October, he would wake me up at five in the morning before I went to school, and we would go squirrel hunting. Now, do you know, what's that? It tastes like, chicken. It tastes like well, <laughs> bad chicken. It tastes like bad chicken <laughs> with pieces of iron in it. So we would go out there, and, um, and I remember on this one particular occasion, he said, okay, Herb, Sit here. I've already scouted this out, and there are squirrels in that tree. You sit here by this tree, and you watch, and you will see squirrels coming out, and you shoot them. And I'm going down here to another place that's not as good, but I'm going to go down here, and I'll, I'll hunt over here. So I sat there. Wait. You know, the dawn was breaking, and the squirrels were supposed to be out, and I sat there, and I sat there. and I, Now, I don't I don't know what you were like at nine years old, but me and ADD were good friends. So I'm fiddling around, I'm fussing around, I'm moving around, you know, I'm, I'm getting up and trying to get my seat better. And, and I, I keep looking, I don't see any squirrels. I know I do not see any squirrels. So I thought I'm bored. I, I think maybe I'll do a little target practice at um, something down there on that log. And so I fired my 410 shotgun and my dad comes running because I'm, I'm nine years old. I'm not thinking, but he's thinking I shot myself or did something bad. And then he got really mad at me. I said, well, there aren't any squirrels here. He, he said, there are squirrels here. Okay, I'll put you where I am. I just saw some squirrels. And so he marched me down to the other place where he was, and I just saw some squirrels. I know there's some, just watch that tree. And, you, uh, and, so I, and then he comes back to my place, and then I hear him shooting. 
because he saw the squirrels that I didn't see. Now, I don't know if the squirrels were running around or not, but I didn't see them. And it wasn't until he pointed them. And so he came and finally he sat beside me and, and, and we sat there. And then I had to sit quiet. And sure enough, there were squirrels. He says, see, you have to look for objects that are moving sideways on branches. And they began to explain to me and tell me the details of how to spot it. I didn't know how to see squirrels until my dad showed me how to see squirrels. You don't know what is happening in your life until the Father shows you what is really happening. You have to have the interpretation and the perspective beyond just the earthly realm perspective. He says, pay attention. Listen for God's interpretation and definition. It, and, it, and it's in every area of life. We have this, um, this tendency to, to think that we know. And so when the temptation comes, we think, oh, that's bad. I need, you know, I need to resist it. It's horrible. It's terrible. And, and I'm a bad person for even having to face it. But what I've discovered is sometimes God allows temptations in our lives so that we turn to him and get stronger. And sometimes he allows temptations in our life, not because he wants us to give in to them, but it's training. And so if we go to him and say, God, what is this temptation really about? Then sometimes he'll reveal, oh, I've got a weakness in me that I need to strengthen. I need to get tougher in. And the temptation reveals that. So the temptation is bad. And we don't know what that temptation is until we hear from God. Conflicts, difficulties, struggles, all of those kinds of things fall into that same category. So here's uh, your assignment. And these are just some sample questions that are on your outline there. Spend time with God to ask, whenever you, you're, whatever you're facing, Lord, what is it that you see? And then listen. And then write it down. Journal, because you'll forget. Should I pay attention to this? You know, sometimes he says, this isn't a big deal. Just walk away. Other times he says, no, this is something you need to focus on. What should I take note of? What do you want me to do in response to this? Because ultimately it's about obeying him and walking in step with him and, and being useful to him. And how do you want me to do it? How, how you know, if he shows you, well, I want you to approach this person. Well, how do you want me to approach this person? It's going to him to get his understanding, his direction, his focus. Pay attention. So the next part is about being ready. And we talked in depth at the learning community about that. Let me encourage you once again to watch that when you get the all church email. Um, so we're not going to spend a lot of time there. But just, just let me just mention that, that there's two sets of skills, two sets of competencies. Um, let's do read under the, the uh, skill set. First um, Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Which, by the way, is a whole lot of what you see on your television. Amen. And in stupid books. And in talk shows. It's, it's, it's that. Just, he says, don't do that. Because whatever you fill your mind with, is that's, that's what's going to take up residency. Rather, train yourself for godliness. 
For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So the, the, the skill set, you know, learning how to read the Bible, pray, fast, obey when it's hard, all those kinds of things. And then toughness is what we really dealt with in learning community. Toughness is about embracing the hard things, going through those hard things. Um, because toughness, uh, toughness that comes from hard things results in the greatest joy from God. Did you hear me? When hard things come, it's God giving you an opportunity to experience him more. It's not an obstacle to what he's trying to accomplish. So I put a scripture in there, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. Celebrate. Throw a party. Jump up and down. Do a polka. <laughs> Why? Not because you enjoy them, but because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, experiencing God and the joy and the soul satisfaction that he longs to give you. Amen. Hard things are required. You can't get there any other way. And then I put some questions there in relationship to the hard things. And, and um, on learning, when you watch that video from Learning Community, what you're going to see is I gave some assignments about the next four weeks about asking, how do I get to that place of toughness? And then finally, soldier together. Soldier together. We talk a lot about this around here. Soldier together. Because you can't do it alone. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm sorry, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes from the Old Testament. Chapter 4, verses, yeah, turn there real quick. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Old Testament. The wisest man that ever lived, who was also the stupidest man who ever lived. But out of his wisdom that the Holy Spirit gave to him, he said this in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Speaks to our individualistic, independent society, doesn't it? There are some things you cannot do alone. Amen. And the most important things in life are among them. So stop it. Just stop trying to do it alone. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? That's why they put at least two people in a foxhole. Did you know that? Because that one person in a foxhole will get scared, will, get, um, will, will freeze to death, will get so discouraged, will start shooting this stuff that they shouldn't. It's that camaraderie. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I put a bird, I, I put a, uh, I haven't seen anybody else say this, but this is, this is a principle that I've discovered over the years that a burden or a task that is shared 
is halved. So if I've got this big log that I'm trying to carry and it weighs 150 pounds, if you get on the other end of it, it halves the burden at least, maybe more. But a, bur a burden or task that is kept, that is held on to, actually doubles. So if I keep trying to do things by myself, then mentally I just, start, I just start getting discouraged and frustrated and it just builds on itself. And I start making stupid decisions and I start hiding things and, and, and it just gets... And so by my burden will be one-fourth of what it often is if I share it with somebody else. Because if I hold on to it, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We need each other. I told this story on Thursday and everybody was, uh, um, I don't know, I, for some reason it was powerful. Um, so I thought it would be important to share with all of you. Of course, you'll see it when you watch the video again, but here it is. So when I was growing up, we had a great big garden. I mean, like half a acre garden. And every year we planted all kinds of vegetables and stuff. And, and one of my favorites was sweet corn. And we, we planted rows and rows of sweet corn. And it was so good. Every year it was just so good. I love sweet corn. I, I really love the butter. But I really love the sweet corn and the salt. And, and it was just so good. And every year it was a great crop. And then one year, it was horrible. I mean, the plants came up, but the, you open up, you peel back the ears, and there's, the, there's nothing there. It's just, it was terrible. We couldn't figure out what was going on. And then we realized that the farmer that had the field across the road from us had every year planted corn until this year. And this year, he had planted soybeans. And so because there was not corn on the other side of the road to cross-pollinate what we had in our garden, we didn't have corn. We can't produce without other people. If we just try to tend to our own garden, we're going to dry up. That's why we need each other. So I put some questions there for you in, in those sections. Let me encourage you to take the time to reflect on those with God. Pay attention. Pay attention. We can't know what something is until God interprets it for us. Would you bow your heads? Out of all that we talked about, what is God causing to stick in your mind? And why do you think he's causing it to stick in your mind? And what does he want you to do with it this week? Maybe today. Will you do that? Because you have a God who loves you so much that he wants you to experience deeper and stronger his love and his abundant life. And that's a step towards it. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to embrace who you are in your ways. God, teach us to pay attention from where you sit. Drive us and help us 
together, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, to help one another pay attention and see those things that we need to surrender so that we can really live for you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.